Welcome to the podcast, Cutting for Sign. I'm Ron Cecil, men's life coach and writer, together with my co-host, best friend and artist, Daniel Penner Klein. Throughout our lives and as friends over the past decade, we've asked, how do we find the clues and puzzle pieces that align us with our higher potential? Join us as we converse with experts, artists, adventurers, mental health professionals, and fellow deep thinkers as we cut for sign and attune our own potential, mental health, and creativity. The bad white man calling the devil. The Yavapai calling eyes like the sky. Hey everybody, welcome to Cutting for Sign. Ron Cecil oh, here. Ron Cecil, you want to switch names today? Yeah. Do you I'll want to like just trade? Cecil. You're Dan. <laughs> I, I'm Daniel. Throw the. I'll be Katrine. <laughs> I was singing. I was singing a boy named Sue last night. It's a good on the, song on the old guitar. A proper song, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It is a good song. I sing it maybe like once a year. Just rip it off. And I was thinking, wow, that 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 song has aged interestingly you know because now right. there's so much like gender is, is yeah dissolving and names are you know it was like oh interesting interesting that has like, taken a new new thing on do you do you <laughs> well, play that song you really at took your it, open mic run with it didn't you <laughs> 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 wake up ronnie we're doing a show <laughs> yep that's a good song all right <laughs> wow ron's on fire today. Okay, how do you so... think how do you think uh, that would be redone today do you think it would be like we allowed the child to, to pick his own name their own name the song, i mean the song it... is about the song is about a guy a deadbeat dad naming yes. his kid sue so yes. that he would get picked on and make him tougher He's basically saying that the, the name Sue is going to parent you instead of me. <laughs> <laughs> and you know that motherfucker did not pay child support either. <laughs> His no, son ends up being a drunk. They meet in a bar. And instead of going to therapy, they fucking have a fist fight. Fight it out. Yeah, exactly. And then they, and it works. <laughs> Does it though? <laughs> is Sue going to be on a podcast 20 years later and said, I finally found that guy. I beat the shit out of him. You know what? I didn't feel any better. He snaked his way out of it. I let him go. Yeah. It's basically a revenge story. Yeah. It's interesting. But that's the thing, you know? That's that's what's funny about it. I was singing it and I was like, I was like thinking about the story as I was singing it. I'm like, I don't think I'm ever going to sing this in front of anyone. <laughs> you were asking about my open mic, definitely, which is tonight, by the way. It's It's definitely not my open mic crowd, you know? You don't think that would fly in your in your crowd? No, well, I I wrote this little. I have this habit of writing the writing lyrics to songs, changing lyrics just to make them into things I like. Yeah. Know, instead of like if the lyrics kind of suck sometimes, and I changed the end of that song to be if I ever have that the the song ends if I ever have a little boy I'm gonna name him Bill or George or anything but Sue. You know that's how yeah. it ends. And then I rewrote it to say if I ever have a little if I ever have a little boy. No, I say if I ever have a little girl, I'll name her. I'll name her Sue. And I changed it like that. Like did that like ten or fifteen years ago. And I sang that, and I was like, "Oh yeah, that doesn't <laughs> that that doesn't work with my with my crowd. There's too many. It's pretty left crowd, pretty far left. They'd be like, "Why can't you name a boy Sue?" And I that's that's a good point. 
Yeah, why couldn't you? Because we live in a society that doesn't enjoy the word Sue, the, the name Sue. I as a d- gender. No, it's not like Dylan or Tony. Don't you, <laughs> don't you love when a woman's name like George or something? I fucking love that. Mm. I dated a girl in high school named Johnny. Yeah, really? Yeah. My and for, and, and when I still bring that up, when I bring that up to this day, people give me a little funny side eye about it. Why? Because they're because they assume it was a boy who passed oh, they, a girl. They oh they make a joke out of it. Well, that's cool. They yeah. can make a joke out of it. But I love the name Johnny for a girl. Definitely, my grandma's name was Johnny. And I knew I knew um, a girl named Ronnie too. I like Whoa! That. I was like, I <laughs> okay, that's that's a little wild. Because <laughs> you call your inner child Ronnie. <laughs> uh, the sex talk, it. the dirty talk, would be fucking cross wires, man. You know, there was a punk artist in the 70s who got really into, um, I forget their name. They, they met their partner in one of those like hardcore S&M houses in New York City. And, and he says the day that he met his partner, he was groveling on the floor to this woman in high, in like six inch stilettos. And she was stepping on his hand. And he's like, oh, I like this. And he looked up at her. And he's like, I knew she was the one I wanted to worship for the rest of my life. <laughs> to the point that he reassigned his gender and his face went through massive surgical procedures to look just like his partner. Wait, wait, that's not where I thought that story was yeah. going. Wow. So, and they were together for decades afterwards. And there was a documentary done about huh. them where you can't tell who's who. Like, oh it's like God. really difficult to, to yeah. It's That's one of the strangest relationship dynamics I've ever heard. You change, they changed their face to look like the person because they worshiped the person so much. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! But they still remained with the person forever. And like it they worked. died. Like the I think the 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 guy who changed died. What a great story! Not that long ago. I mean, I don't know about. They were happy though. The gist is they that seem they, they both seemed super happy. It seemed to work for them. I've never heard anything like that. <laughs> it's not common. That's for sure. Wow. This is a real story out there? Like, yeah, there's a documentary about it. Whoa, what's the documentary called? Uh, we'll have to, I'll have to look it up and bring yeah, it up in the, yeah. in the um, uh, field dressing. Wow, interesting. Okay, well, what are you aiming at with Katrine? Good question. Katrine's been around in the internet uh, world and is a life coach. She's a good life coach, watching her, her stuff. Um, and she talks about relationships. And I'm always just, I'm always curious about relationships. And I'm curious about the jealousy that she talks about quite a bit that we experience. Jealousy is a good topic of convo. Yeah, let's hit that. It's Are an interesting gonna, one. I challenged you to make a joke uh, when you normally wouldn't. Are you going to do that? Wait and see. Are you going to do it? Wait and see, motherfucker. If you had to bet, do you think you'll find a, you think you'll do it? Oh, I'll probably find 10 places. <laughs> Are you <laughs> kidding do, me? Man, I have that. to self-edit in all the time in every situation I'm in life to not make a joke out of everything. Yeah, don't do that in the podcast as much, okay? I'll try. <laughs> what are you looking for? Um, okay. I am I like the idea of talking about jealousy too. Attachment style is a hot mm-hmm. conversation these days, and I'm into it. Um exploring some successes, exploring some change. I know you've grown, you know, a little bit through that for sure. You, you and I both distinct had distinctly different experiences in relationship these days because of our work around attachment so yeah jump into it with her on that and uh yeah let's do that all right let's let her in 
Katrine Bent, you are a coach and host of the Grumpy Girlfriend podcast. You always thought that you would be an independent, confident, secure girlfriend, and that you wanted an independent, confident, secure boyfriend. But within relationship, you experienced jealousy, anxiousness, neediness, and that to some extent you weren't ready for an independent partner. The advice you received was work on self-love. So you asked yourself what that meant. You were relentless in your pursuit of answers to this question and remedies to the emotional issues you were suffering. You believed in logical, not vague or wooey, in change me, not my partner, and in your own ability to execute lasting change. You realized that you used to think that you were either born relaxed, happy, and easygoing, or that if you weren't, your parents didn't raise you right. But you discovered that being that kind of person is a skill, not a talent. It's something anyone can learn at any stage of life. On the Grumpy Girlfriend podcast and in your coaching, you make sense of why people think, feel, and act the way they do, even in good relationships. Katrina, you believe most people are intelligent, successful, and hardworking, but that sometimes these attributes work against us and delay our progress. You value personal accountability, getting specific around goals and requests, and in reprogramming how we relate to the uncomfortable thoughts and feelings we experience on a daily basis. All right, Katrine, welcome to Cutting for Sign. Thank you. So happy to be here. That was a perfect introduction. Oh, outstanding. I'm glad to hear it. Well, Ron, what do you think? <laughs> That's pretty good. Pretty good introduction. <laughs> Not about the intro. How are you doing? You, Ron, Ron and I were talking a little bit uh, uh, right before we do something called the draw, which is kind of where we take aim at what we want to, well, how, how this might be meaningful or what we value about what you do. And, you know, attachment styles um, is something we're both really interested in and have had success around in the last year. And so um, I know some of your content, you know, you talk about that too. And um, yeah, we're very curious about that and your your personal experience with that. And by success, he means uh, noticing how fucking anxious we can get in relationship. <laughs> <laughs> noticing our own seething jealousy and anger. <laughs> seething. Whoa. Okay. All right. All right. <clears throat> yeah, you know, it's I mean, funny it is I've been, I've been married... 13 year almost 14 years and it's still there's still waves of like weird unhealthy like jealousy and 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 anxiousness that i mm -hmm. figure man i'm like at least a high school graduate in relationship in marriage <laughs> first year of college and it's funny how it can be really challenging sometimes still yeah and i mean we often think that time somehow is supposed to heal these right. things time does nothing oh, yeah. it's just well exists well so whether it's two uh -huh. years or 13 or 45 really that's not what makes the difference at least it just yeah. yeah so when it comes to attachment styles i actually learned about it after going through my journey after mm -hmm. like starting this work I, I wasn't that into it in the beginning but what was so funny was that when i started learning about it i could immediately place my clients and myself and my partner and my clients partners right into the right categories and it all made sense i was like oh my target audience my clients me it's all about an anxiously attached girlfriend with a securely attached partner oh, ac wow. across the board always secure that's i'm surprised to hear that i would have thought mm. uh the, like avoidant no it, the reason it's always secure and why it makes so much sense is because the secure partner doesn't add drama to the mix. 
which allows the anxiously attached grumpy girlfriend to start reflecting on herself. She can notice that her partner is not the problem because her partner is just chill, relaxed, supportive, loving, respectful, kind, no drama, no problems. And then she's like, well, shouldn't I just be happy then? And that's when you start noticing things in yourself. That's interesting because when I was going through your website and hearing the way you speak about about what you do, it, it... it, it, it you could see that in you you could see that dynamic so that's a dynamic that you've experienced also yeah wow Definitely. that's awesome i mean what a great place to be it's like at least the whole half of the problem isn't really mm-hmm. a problem yeah and that's it can also be very provoking and frustrating when you're in the middle of it and you're the only one who sees all the problems mm-hmm. your partner doesn't see any of the problems which means you have to go into overdrive and see even more problems just in case and it's uh, It's also, there's a downside to maybe being overly securely attached as well. Because I think from, in my experience, I think my partner probably stuck around longer than most people would have, or maybe should. Like, I'm not sure he should have stuck around for as long as he did, considering how I behaved and how I treated him. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I also, I read about that, that the secure partner, the downside can sometimes be that you're just, you're attached and you're fine and you don't really always put yourself and your own needs first. So can I ask how some of that, how some of your behavior manifested itself? What type of more specific behavior? So for me, it was a lot of silent treatment, a lot of emotional punishment. Like I just wanted to like, I was always mad at him for something and I never said what, I never told him, I never informed him what he was doing wrong. I just felt the need to constantly punish him for his behavior so that he knows that he that's not okay. I don't like this behavior. I'm not going to tell you, but I'm going to like withhold connection, intimacy, all of that kind of stuff. I'm going to be grumpy. I'm going to be mad. But it was I'm primarily to... perceived behavior, not really things he was doing. I mean, it was the stupidest things. Like he, I was allowed to spend money, but he wasn't. Like those kind of like hypocrite situations oh, where, yeah, oh, we should be saving money. Why are you spending money? And then meanwhile, I'm like online shopping. So it's that kind of stuff where it's sometimes it was real behavior, but that isn't really bad. Right. And sometimes it was just my made up like what I thought things meant or yeah, yeah meaning I assigned to the things did that he you, did you was or wasn't seeing doing. Something like this with your parents? I grew up in a home that was very non-emotional. Like Mm -hmm. the emotion that was allowed was anger. So that's the only emotion that I feel comfortable um, expressing. And it wasn't abusive. It wasn't traumatic. I didn't have a bad childhood. It was just like, we bond over being mad at things. We bond over being mad about that and being mad at those people. And when something is bad, we talk about it and we're like, feel connected over anger. Mm -hmm. And no other emotions were that familiar to me, like expressing and being comfortable with. So it's definitely, I can track that back to my upbringing a lot. Oh, wow. That's super interesting. I think that's, I think that's a common, we don't realize how common it is to be addicted to the adrenalization and the spike of emotions that comes with anger and, and and making the other outside of the the little unit that we're a part of the problem and the excitement that comes with it and the and the freshness of the connection that happens with the people that in your in your group and yeah, when that's the, gone like like what are we going to do <laughs> where's well, the, the fun conf- the confusion between good bonds happening through the yeah. sharing of that 
anger, you know, or that, or that drama, you know? Mm. And that also like in my relationship, another way that came out was I felt like on a primitive level that it was unsafe for both of us to just be happy. Yeah. That was just my underlying belief. I hadn't put it into words. I didn't know that that was what I was feeling, but I was like, if if both of us are just happy it feels like we're both standing on some kind of like a pedestal of happiness that can just fall over any time mm. and that's not safe so i'll stay down here have fun up there i'll yeah. i'll be down here being grumpy that's that's the safest that idea of where we are resting states uh, emotionally and in as a response of situations in the outer world uh, I found that really fascinating and a really an interesting part of the sort of human consciousness becoming more aware of what we're doing. This uh, all this articulation around really healthy, uh, solid situations, feeling what you just said, unstable yeah. and unhealthy and unsafe. And then how we close that, how we start to switch around our wiring. You know, it's a great mm-hmm. little part of humanity right now. Mm. And I mean, it's one of my favorite things to speak to my clients about and coach on. It's this, I like the idea of having an upper limit problem mm-hmm. and yes. this kind of cognitive dissonance happening. And it's so funny how we have a belief of like, this is the appropriate amount of happiness I'm supposed to feel in a relationship. Mm-hmm. This is how, how like the appropriate level of good it's allowed to be. And we hold on to that. And then when reality exceeds that, Instead of being like, oh, I guess I was wrong. We're like, no, no, no. Like I must be missing something here. Yeah, and then we start creating nice. problems yeah. to make reality fit our belief instead of the other way around. And it's that's just how the brain works. Do you, st- do you actively work on that still? And do you feel like you reach and surpass upper limits still? I definitely am still working on... I've come a long way, so it's not something that I... Yeah. When I don't work on it, I'm not suffering from it, but I am constantly reminding myself that it gets to be easy, it gets to be fun, it gets mm-hmm. to be nice, it gets to be, it doesn't have to be harder than this. And it's like, it's allowed <laughs> to just be good. And that I have to remind myself of yeah. all the time because my brain, just like all other brains, is a problem seeker. Yeah. It's like, where's yeah. the next problem we can tackle? Yeah. And my boyfriend is more of a, I don't have a problem. <laughs> like, I have no problems. Yeah. So, yeah. I've I've noticed that uh, having a nice sense of how much of my attention is being spent uh, on problems Mm -hmm. and then having that match the appropriateness of my current situation, like Ron Ron and I will talk about this sometimes where if you're about to hit something with your car, like 100% of your attention should probably be on the problem at hand, you know, but there's situations in life where, you know, it's appropriate maybe just to have five, 10, 15, 20% uh, on the, on the problem on what's going wrong. And what I noticed is that that was out of whack. I would have be in a pretty damn good situation and have most of my attention still be on what was going wrong. And I was like, why that doesn't make any sense. And then you can start to change that. And the, the first situation where I really noticed that was I was looking around my home and I like to keep my home like, clean and orderly you know it it allows me to be stretch and be messy in in my art or in other ways in life and i was just like sitting in my home and i could just i noticed my mind just scanning my house for like the anything that needed to be fixed or cleaned or whatever and all of a sudden i like kind of like snapped out of i was like dude enjoy that 99.99 percent of your house looks 
is great and comfortable. And, and that was a real wake up moment for me. Mm, yeah. And then where does that apply in other life? I've noticed. Yeah. I mean, go ahead. I was going to say, I've noticed this, this, this tendency for our brains to try to find the difficulty, or as you said, the upper limit, you know, we've had Gay Hendricks on the podcast, the guy who wrote uh, the big leap, you know, have you read that book? You not all of it, half of it, maybe. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think you got the gist. <laughs> Me too. I read the first few pages and I was like, anyways, go ahead. Got so, it. No. Yeah. I, you know what's funny is years ago, my wife's like, you should read this book. I'm like, bah. and then and then years go by. I was desperate, called somebody, you know, telling him about my upper limit problems, didn't, you know, in a, in a very cl uh, clunky way. And he's like, I think you should read this book. And I, and I looked it up, totally forgot that my wife had asked me to read it. <clears throat> I texted her. I'm like, Hey, I'm going to read this book. Someone so, so-and-so recommended it. She's like, yeah, I recommended it to you like two years ago. And it's <laughs> like, well, I bought it. She's like, why we own it. <laughs> anyway. Um, I think our brains can find it in relationship or they can find it in career. There's all kinds of ways that our brains like looking for the problem when there just doesn't need to be a problem. And, and my, my assumption, and I've heard this from some other people who are much smarter than me, is that it's actually kind of a part of an addiction cycle that, that we're looking for that excitement of, of the, you know, shit hitting the fan or something to spike our adrenaline and to get our brain into a mode that just doesn't, our brain doesn't know how to live outside of that. It doesn't know how to be in a peaceful place. So it's going to create issues and and sometimes to detriment and i would say i'll use myself as a, a good example anytime that i've gotten into a really kind of good career track like when my my career is going well when my i'm starting to earn really well and things like are good that's when my brain in the past is like let's fuck this up let's figure out how to stick a stick in the front spokes of my bicycles and going as fast as i possibly can it hasn't happened to me in relationships too much that I can that I can pinpoint, but with my career, I definitely can for sure, for sure, for sure. Mm. Have you noticed that outside of outside relationships as well? Yes, I mean that's in my business. I do the exact same thing. It's like I hustle, hustle, work, 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 and everything yeah. starts rolling. I usually see it as like I'm getting a train moving. Yeah, and all of a sudden the train go starts going really, really, really fast, and yeah. I start freaking out, and I pump the brakes, yep. and then the train stops, and I'm like, Whew. and I'm like, <laughs> oh, nothing is working in my business, and I start yeah. working again and get the train going again. Yeah. So it's the same kind of thing where it's like it's uncomfortable to be in the same place too long. Yeah. I would say the way it differs from what my clients experience in relationships is it's not really a made up or perceived threat because the risk of heartbreak is constant when you are yeah. in a relationship with someone. And that is what they fear the most, like the being left, being cheated on, being lied to, being deceived, all of those kinds of things. So that's not really looking for a problem that doesn't exist. I think it more relates to like the, where your focus goes. Like for my clients, hundred percent of their focus all the time is preventing that from happening mm -hmm. or at the very least being able to say, I saw it coming. So that mm -hmm. that's why they're always mm -hmm. like looking for clues or Do you think flags. Part of that is like they're, they're looking for it to come so that they can feel right. There's a part of their brain that's like, they want to feel validated. And so once it, 
finally happens once their jealousy is is um confirmed or their fears are confirmed they're like ha i I knew it i knew it the whole time yeah they they want to be able to say i knew it that is its own satisfaction the brain wants to be right so if it can find and like twist any kind of evidence into like supporting what we believe it's like yes i win on top of that a big part of the suffering that comes with a breakup and like being cheated on for example is the self-judgment and the blame the shame the guilt so if they saw it coming they weren't fooled they don't have to be as hard on themselves it can be a little bit like well i i knew it all along so i like i would at least he didn't fool me that's kind of also what they want to do so where where do you see successes uh do you see common ways that some of your clients or just people in the world or yourself succeed and break through this Yeah, I mean, one of the, especially when it comes to this, one of the tools that I teach my clients is choosing pain over preparing for it. Could you say that again, choosing what pain? Surprise pain. And that is not what we are wired to do. We're not wired to go out into the world from our little cave and be like, surprise me. Come and like surprise me with uncomfortable emotions and heartbreak. But teaching my clients... Real to quick, choose just, that on purpose. And yeah. are you asking them to trust themselves that they'll be okay? Is that the idea there? Not blindly. I help show them that they can handle it. Oh. I teach them to be okay. I teach that? them. Well, it's it's a, a process of understanding what it is that we're so scared of at the end of that tunnel. What What's there? What are we going to meet? And that's always an emotion. The worst that can mm-hmm. happen is always an emotion. So if we can understand that and start seeing that, okay, well, so far you've survived all of the bad emotions in your life. You've managed it so far. Now that could be like, we can talk our way out of that and be like, oh, that was luck or a fluke or whatever. But then I start showing them how to process their uncomfortable emotions here and now. So whenever they're triggered, whenever their partner's on their phone, when they see something on Instagram, all of these uncomfortable emotions that they feel, they learn to start handling them without fear. Mm. They can start becoming friends with those emotions and just realize that hey my body is built to be able to handle this wow. i don't have to fear it anymore and the less we the brain fears that emotion and the more the brain trusts you that you can handle it the less we have to obsess over it we can just like choose the surprise so i know ron and i are, are not um totally unfamiliar with uh the value of existing with challenging emotions but how do you work someone through and that and build them up to experience those emotions and be okay usually it depends my clients are different some of them really are open to going through that together where i actually walk them through the process where it's like okay tell me about a situation tell Mm -hmm. me about the worst case scenario tell me about you getting cheated on you not finding out everybody else knows then you find out about it you have to like move out and all these horrible things are happening and then they just get to describe the physical sensations the experience of that Mm -hmm. emotion they get to name that emotion is it shame is it Mm -hmm. guilt is it rejection is it humiliation whatever that is that they fear and because any emotion is just vibrations in our bodies it's sensations that they can describe to me how is it feeling inside of your body when you are feeling this 
And when we, instead of resisting or avoiding or trying to like, I don't know, argue Race with the emotion, yeah. when we just open up to it, it doesn't last that long. And usually what my clients describe, no matter what the emotion is, it's not very different from like working out. <laughs> like it feels kind of the same. The Heart actual, racing, sweating, yeah. like pressure yeah. in the chest, headache, like tightness <laughs> in the throat, all of that kind of stuff. I think there's a lot of value to that kind of thing of describing and preparing for worst case scenario. I know in my relationship, having to visit what the worst, what the worst could be and and then really going like well what what does that mean what's the worst thing mean right and and am making i gonna peace be okay with that. yeah making peace with it someone someone i was going through a rough time with my wife in 2019 really rough probably the hardest we, time we've gone through and and i had to ask myself all the hardest questions what does this mean does this mean our relationship is at the end does this mean we're done does this mean she's fallen out of love with me does this mean i've fallen out of love with her and, and that was such a helpful set of questions. And someone made me do it. I mean, that's the truth is like, I was sitting down with a guy who, who really asked me, he's like, just what, you know, are you prepared to get a divorce? That was really the ultimate thing. And, and does this mean you need to get a divorce? And I was, as I really questioned that, the thing that rose to the surface was no matter what, I'm going to be okay. I have to be okay. And, and be, number one, I want to, you know, we, you, Daniel talked about in your intro, the solution being proposed to you of loving yourself and then ask you asking, well, what does that mean? And, and I had to make, make, a make a connection with that in my brain. Cause it's something I logically knew, but hadn't really practiced in a way where I could look at myself in the mirror and go, I love you, dude. <laughs> I love what I see. I love this experience of being in this body. That was the very early days of really, really kind of wrestling with that. And then the second thing is, is I have kids and I have, I have a, you know, a son and a daughter who no matter what, whether my wife gets hit by a bus or decides to leave me or, or, um, who knows what happens, like they need me no matter what. And I, those were sources of strength for me big time. Uh, but it required, it really required me to actually play the tape forward role play it all the way out, decide that every, you know, decide that I had to go down every avenue of what this could be like and, and make peace with that instead of bracing for it. Like, Oh, it can't happen. I don't want it to happen. And, and, and avoiding it and just not talking about it. That but was... it also seemed like Ron, it seemed like part of that experience of things getting dramatically better was also to some extent you letting go of the relationship. I think, yeah, I think exactly. I think that's maybe uh, a clearer way. What I was trying to explain is that I, I had to take the pet, the relationship off a pedestal. Yeah. I had, I mean, Katrin, one of the, um, my problems is that I had made being married into its own, its own goal in and of itself an unrealistic expectation of my success. If I'm married, then I'm successful. If I'm married, I'm safe. And that came from my religious upbringing. That came from my parents being married and divorced more times than you, you could possibly think is realistic. And in thinking that the way that I'm going to not be like my family, that I'm going to heal the, the cycle or stop the cycle is to stay married. And I got married 
uh, the, um, really young. I got married when I was 21 and divorced by the time I was 25. <clears throat> and so I had this like this tick mark of failures in my life already. Like, oh shit, I've, I've already been a huge, massive failure. And, and this is just proving to me almost like I would say some of your clients deal with in their relationships. I had a fear of like, oh, oh my God, the, you know, I'm only going to continue to repeat this cycle for my parents. And so when I got married, um, a few years after that, um, I had some uh, similar fears of, of, is this going to last? Do I have what it takes? Uh, at some point they're going to leave me. And, and, and to getting back to Daniel's deal, like I had to really under unwrap, deconstruct what I think marriage means, what I think relationship means, my safety because of being in those things. And when I was able to unhook all that, all those meanings to that, all that sense of safety, a false sense of safety because of having someone in my life and reattach that to myself, it was it was one of the better experience. Like it was a very good experience in my it's, life. Like a very freeing thing. To see you let go of the relationship without leaving or rejecting it. And I you know, like for some reason this image of like your hand underwater, like someone's hand underwater is holding a ton of water, you know, it's just because mm. it's surrounded by water. But if you like try to grab onto it, all the water's gone, you know? And yeah. I kind of experienced something similar in relationships and to exist in that and to exist around each other and let the gravity of your of your own existence naturally keep you together as opposed to the grasping and clinging there there's something real there and personally when i'm not grasping and clinging it feels there's too much unknown floating around and it freaks me out you know but it has in the past and but i've noticed and I saw you do this, Ron, you let go of the relationship. And then it just, the natural bond that was already there is to some extent, seems like it's what holds you together more so yeah. now. Yeah. And it feels natural, but there's also that sense of you don't have control as much, but there's a faith and a trust. And, and then you work on the things that, that maintain that natural gravity. Would Katrine, do, would you say that any of that makes sense? Is that a way that you speak about relationships at all? Yeah, 100%. It is what you're describing is what I I talk about it in the sense of free will. Free yeah. will, both adult partners free will to choose this relationship is one of the most important parts of any healthy, happy relationship. And when you are so threatened by your partner's free will that you cannot allow them to have it, yeah. you feel the need to control their free will, to manage it, to manipulate it, to make sure that they choose the right things you you cannot be happy in that relationship so what kind of what you you describe is this idea of allowing your partner respecting your partner enough to choose you is sometimes the hardest thing you can do because that opens up for one. their yeah. right to choose something else to choose to leave and that goes back to the surprise pain that I teach my clients yeah. to choose. Like I choose, I had to learn to choose surprise pain. I had to learn to choose to not know that I'm being lied to until I'm supposed to find out. That was a hard one. Yeah. It's not my job to know when I'm being lied to. Like that's the whole point of lying to me. Like I need to choose to not know until it's time for me to find out doesn't mean yeah. i close my eyes and ignore things it just means that it's not my job to go after it and yeah. find it 
um, choose that and choose to want to see the truth of my relationship. And if the truth is that my partner wants to leave me, I want to see that. All of those things are so hard to choose, but that's the only way to kind of, that's the kind of the same thing as letting go and being like, okay, here's your free will back, take it, do whatever you want. And then you look around and you realize they're choosing you. They're choosing to be here. Mm -hmm. I love that. I haven't heard that phrase um, this way. And the idea of, you know, it reminds me kind of, of conspiracy theory thinking and in my own little armchair, you know, therapist uh, assessment of or curiosity around why people sometimes end up being susceptible to conspiracy theory thinking is this idea of needing to control the idea of not, uh, the extreme version of not doing what you just said. Don't, it's I've been hurt maybe before or or I've been taken advantage of and I it's not going to happen again. And so there's this potential overcorrection. And I'm not saying that all people who believe in or find themselves attracted to conspiracy theories are doing it for the same reasons. But I think maybe one way I would, if, if I were to experience that, would be as an overcorrection, uh, uh, an unwillingness to leave myself open and available for surprise anything, <laughs> especially. Yeah, and like, the way I would describe that is almost being allergic to uncertainty. Like you have such a strong totally. physical reaction to uncertainty yes. that you just yeah. want to prevent it at all costs, even if that means making something up and pretending that that's the truth. Well, I think that that is exactly what the upper limiting problem is. Part of that upper limiting situation is the fear of the unknown. You know, uh, it's that that problem on its on its own that situation the fear of unknown noticing when we are consciously and to other extents preconsciously and subconsciously afraid and how much that may or may not have to do with the unknown I, I confront it in my art all the time the more I confront the unknown the more my subconscious has an ability to live in the world and play its part and the world gets to respond to other aspects of me and I found myself learning that lesson over and over is the more I can confront the unknown, knowing I'm prepared, the more my life is surprising and delightful, you know? Yeah. And it often like exceeds, like we don't spend any time imagining the best case scenarios yet. They happen a lot of the time. <laughs> like very rarely does the worst case scenario actually come yeah, true. Absolutely. That's a good call. And trusting that and then building, building a re- building some mm. that habit and that trust and then you get excited like you can flip it right then it gets exciting mm. you know I mean that's what I do in my relationship all the time I don't remember there's a Pixar movie I think it's it's the one with the core memories inside out inside yeah out, exactly yeah. I, I only saw it once but that idea had that one holstered like, maybe I don't know much about since I only saw it once, I don't really remember, but that idea of like forming core memories, when our brains do that by themselves, it turns into a shit show. It's like trauma, 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 trauma. And what I have done in my relationship now that I've gone through this process is that every single time I assume something, I get triggered, I get angry, I like uh, think, interpret something in a really negative way, and I choose not to act on it, and I give my partner the benefit of the doubt, and I'm wrong that forms into a core memory. Gotcha. Those I 
collect those situations Mm -hmm. to continuously prove to my brain just wait just wait i know you want to snap i know you want to react i know you want to punish i know you want to send that nasty text just pause and wait and wait and wait and wait and then it turns out that it wasn't what i thought it was and i collect those and i love when that happens so when you start loving being proven wrong in this situation you speed up that process a lot Gosh, I like that. You're speaking I got a question for both that. of you guys in this, in this, how much of this as the, of the realizations of what's going on in ourself about, um, our suspicions and relationships or the ways we want to jump to conclusions or any of those things, how much of it, and this is, um, do you actually spell out really plainly to your partners so that they know your handicap in the situation they know why your brain is going that way and they know that you're aware of it being you know sideways and that you're working on it yeah go ahead katrina you have something to say about that one yeah i mean i'm I'm gonna answer it completely just for me personally yeah my clients are all across the board all from all like from everything to nothing i'm on the nothing side of the spectrum I do not talk about this stuff with my partner at all. Um, he, when I, I actually I just recorded a podcast interview with him on for episode hundred of my podcast the other hey, week. Congratulations! Um, yeah, yeah, that was really when I started my podcast. I was like, I'm going to do a hundred episodes, and then I did, and he was my hundredth episode yeah. guest. And the reason I hadn't had him on earlier was because I know his answers to everything. I didn't know you were grumpy. I did not suffer from it. I did not have any problems with it. I don't remember anything. Like he is completely like oblivious to everything. So he doesn't really have anything to say. But yeah, I I just didn't. I don't share it because I am so self-aware that I'm making shit up all the time. Like there's no purpose in sharing with him. Hey, I think you're cheating on me right now. Yeah. Well, Why no, I don't should mean I that. tell him I don't that. mean that exactly. Yeah. I don't mean that exactly. But other situations as well. I yeah. I just make it I feel so when I found this solution that meant that I could solve it without his participation, it was the best day of my life. Because yeah. I was like, yeah. thank God. I don't have to communicate about everything in yeah. order to make change. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that, telling my wife once. Um I think she she wouldn't mind me saying this because I've heard her share it on a podcast and I've heard her talk about it. Oh, I thought you were going to get yourself in trouble. Boring. <laughs> um, where she probably, this would probably have been about four years ago where she erred on the side of sharing everything going through her head with me to the point I was like, I don't need to hear this stuff. I don't need to hear any of it. And I said to her, you know, whatever's going through your head can probably stay there. Mostly you don't need to, you don't need to bring it up. And, and she was trying to be vulnerable and she was trying to be careful and just trying to get it all out there i was like you've got girlfriends you've got a therapist (laughs) you've got all kinds of other places you can do this and i don't need to be that place anymore and that was a that was i think a um a milestone for us this is pretty recently right i remember this no we just told it we've just kind of shared it out out loud recently but no this was really i thought you went through a big uh leveling up of uh, that's a weird way to say it but Mm -hmm. i thought you went through a moment with in in your relationship relatively recently like in the last few months 
maybe it was because it was around maybe it was just a huge success in in mm. that you recognized that you had this you both had this ability to not share everything and you had an ability to draw a clear boundary but you really surprised me around one specific issue that i think has been your real like gooey center of the challenge of of your of your relationship and you drew this clear boundary and i was like damn ron fucking good job because you I, ha I didn't even know you had that ability around this this would be like the hardest place for you to do it and you did it calmly respectfully she heard you and it was like a problem didn't happen you know that what's <laughs> going to happen instead of a problem oh we're going to enjoy life or you know we need to do what happens when you don't have it was awesome yeah you know what's it um not to get into the details of of what that is but i i will say and the problem that I thought was there that I decided not to make a problem about has actually even dissipated more since then. Like, it's like, it was like, it was almost like the opposite of manifestation. I don't, I'm not like, yeah. I'm not like into, nice. I'm not into that world very, very much. I, I do believe you work towards something, things happen, but it was like by taking that my attention out of that situation, cool. like the, like that situation is all but dissipated like it i'm glad like... you said the manifestation thing too because it's you know there's this like magical uh aspect of the manifestation sort of world when people talk about this and, and yeah. i think that's that's okay that's cool because we don't know everything that's going on in the world and and the nature of reality especially with a lot of talk around quantum physics and stuff it's like well maybe there is a more powerful ability in the human mind to create who knows what that is but but i i think that when you said that, I was thinking, well, the amount of attention that's now not going on this allows space for the the world to kind of play its part and in, in to not respond to your actions, you know, and deep subconscious actions too sometimes, you know, and I just, that anti-manifestation idea is is nice. <laughs> I mean, it's true in, in a lot of relationships where my clients, they start like hands off more and just allowing their partners to be who they are, do what they want to do. And they spend time observing the truth of their relationship rather than trying to manipulate it and making it nice. seem better than it is. Then they start noticing that it is actually better than they give it credit for, or it allows room for the partner to step up. Because when, when someone is constantly like breathing down your neck, yes. nagging you and criticizing everything you do, it's like, what are you supposed to do? But if it's like, you know what, I'm going to focus on me over here. I'm going to take responsibility for myself you do you, I'm just going to be over here working on some stuff. And then some, a lot of the time that either makes them step up or makes it more apparent that they're actually better than they're getting credit for. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. I'm going to stop you, Daniel. Uh, in your experience, when you started to try to love yourself, that's a, and that's a, broad thing what that, yeah, that that's means. pretty that's pretty unspecific buddy yeah so what's specifically what was that for you like how what, what was acts of love for yourself and thought patterns of love that did give you that room to step away from the neediness it's really interesting because as you mentioned in the beginning in the intro the advice available is like love yourself yeah. work on your self-love the that's the that solution <laughs> to everything like what yeah. does it mean it's yeah. such a cop-out because people are like self-love go work on your self-love yeah. and they feel like they've done a good job they're like yes nice but it's, it's useless advice and what i can say is i never worked on my self-love not mm. one single time during this journey have i sat down and worked on my self-love 
I started working on tangible, clear, like really specific things that I was capable of doing. And I started like, for example, showing myself that I'm capable of processing difficult emotions. I showed myself that I can be triggered and not react. I can override my primitive brain's instructions, like yeah. go do this, go snap. And one day I, I thought about it and I was like, I have not thought a nasty thought about myself in months. And today, it just feels completely unreasonable to ever say anything rude to myself about myself. Like, I could just not do it. It just makes no sense. Because I had I had just improved my relationship with myself by constantly impressing myself nice. and, like, learning new things and all of these things that I thought made me a disgusting, horrible, awful human being and partner. I had solved all of them. I felt like a superhero. It was, like, amazing I never had to work on my self-love. I just had to learn new skills and impress myself. And it kind of came along. Well, I appreciated that about your, about your uh, thing that, again, the things that I draw on when I put together those, those intros. And one thing that you, you expressed in that was a frustration with the response of, yeah, go love yourself. And I'm assuming you're familiar with, um, I believe his name is Marshall Rosenthal, it might be Rosenberg, but the guy who coined and created the nonviolent communication, uh, you know, thing, situation. <laughs> he created nonviolent. nonviolent. <laughs> Fuck you. Man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That was a good answer. Uh, but are you familiar with that term at least? Yes, I'm familiar with the term and I spend a lot of my time telling my clients that's not what they need to be focusing on. So I'm no, not huh? very like nonviolent well, communication. Mm -hmm. Communication in general. It's not oh, their yeah. problem. Interesting. That's cool. Uh, I'm glad I... you brought communication out because Daniel needed well, to answer on. the question earlier. Hold too. on, hold on. I, I'm I'm onto something else though. Okay. Hold on. So <clears throat> one thing that his work is actually really cool in, in my opinion. And one thing that he says is exactly what you said. He's like, that's not a specific request. And so I can't do anything with it. One partner says to another partner, I love me more. You know, I want, I want, I want to feel better. You know, I want to feel this or that. And then the person Marshall goes, it's not a specific request. They can't do anything with that. They're going to be guessing. What does love mean to you? And then people would start to think and like answer that question specifically. And they go, well, you know, for me, it means when we're hanging out together, every once in a while, I'll touch my hand, you know, like, I don't know how often. And you know, like get specific. I don't know, like maybe every half hour or so. And now the person has some ground to work on. And so, you know, in my observation, like you did do self-love, you know, but you that for for you did that by chucking out the phrase <laughs> self-love and just like getting down to specifics of what you needed. And I yeah. I am a huge I value that a lot. I value that a lot. Get specific with what you want and what you need and then do that. And let's unpack these terms like love, you know, and Ron says that a lot. Like I always challenge Ron to get specific with stuff like that, because what does that mean? What does love mean to you? We had a whole episode on this with Scott Stabile. Remember that? And then we, we started the conversation with what does love mean to you? And we got specific with it. It was really I think that's a valuable discussion. Hmm. Yeah. So back to back to you, Daniel. On on, do you discuss this stuff with your partner? Partner. Oh, nice. Thank you for asking. Yeah. Uh, I I land in the same place Katrine does. Uh, the last the last uh, relationship that I uh, you know when we were like figuring out how we were going to be, I just decided based on experience that I didn't need to share this stuff. This had nothing to do with her. Um, it it 
it takes our time and our energy and it puts uh, it puts us in long conversations that spin out it puts their mind in a place where they're now trying to behave in a way to help me potentially it, it fucking simplify it and i just took it all on myself and because i had chosen better around a person um I, we didn't there wasn't so many problems that they it, it constantly put us into a place where we needed to talk anyway and so there just ended up being no problems and it was the first time i'd ever experienced that it was incredible mm. yeah yeah that's exactly how i view it too because i do have clients who are more on the like oversharing end of yeah. the spectrum but what happens then i i never label that as a problem if that's how you want to do it we'll work right. around it we'll figure right. it out it's fine but then a big part of your interaction with your partner becomes disgusting and connecting and bonding over problems. So exactly. when yeah. you start changing, yeah. what are you going to replace that with? What What is going to be yeah. like, like, are you just going to keep like discussing problems forever? Because the people like me who don't discuss this stuff, when we solve the internal stuff, everything is fine. Like everything is normal everything is exactly. fine you have just you can just go enjoy compared to if like a big part of it is, is discussing talking 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 then you kind of there's going to be a bigger change in the relationship when you solve these things how much of the relationship a partner of mine a couple partners ago that she goes she goes i don't want uh, my relationship to be about to be talking about a relationship you know, mm. I don't want that to be the relationship. And that mm. really hit me. And, and then we did that, you know, uh, more we than talked we about the to. relationship. Oh, uh, you know, you have those like two hour conversations and then what <laughs> happens like is then you get tired and dehydrated and hungry and, and then it makes you more susceptible. And then you, you're what a turn on, <laughs> right? Yeah. Then you're like, gonna supposed to go fucking have a great night. And like, no, and now after five minutes of talking about a relationship, I start to get have this like little spider sense. It's like, get out and we're getting a really acute sense of when you've talked about something enough, you know, and then the joy of releasing that because, you know, it's not also Katrina, you're sure you're like really versed at this, but, <clears throat> you know, you still need to talk sometimes, but mm -hmm. the joy of talking about something just enough and then moving on is one of those scary moments too, that's just it's delightful and then you get to go on to the mm. next thing and i mean you can always make it a problem that you either talk too much or <laughs> don't talk enough like that's always available as well it's so. available you want to make this a what, problem what about Easy. you ron how do you where do you fall i know yours has probably changed over the years i don't fucking talk to her at all anymore <laughs> <laughs> i i well I'm, i first of all i'm very convicted at listening to you uh, katrina about um your family of origin story of like uh bonding over drama and over anger and i and i thinking about my conversation with my children and my wife of like the state of the city that we live in you know it's we live in portland oregon it's gone through a really rough go um so we talk about the drug problem on the streets we talk about the homeless problem on the streets and I, and all kinds of just easy to talk about easy to get angry about easy to be disgusted by issues and and i i'm thinking about that i'm like how do i how do i address that as a dad and as a as a partner and i i'm i would say i'm pretty well through the part to get to your question to get to your question daniel of needing to 
weighed in the muck of of how I'm feeling about my relationship with Morgan. And I think right now what I'm allowing myself to do, and I've only begin to scratch the surface of it, is to believe that she loves me and that she, and to like actually believe it, to not need to prove it, not need her to prove it to me, not need to find some evidence that that she's super in love with me or something, but just actually believe that she is, uh, that she does. And the more I have done that, the more she's shown it. And the more I relax on trying to find yeah. evidence, the more it comes out in spades. Um, so I don't, you know, we, yeah. we used to have these like big state of the union conversations around our relationship every couple, every couple, like twice a year. And, and it's changed so much where we're not talking about a relationship. The assumption is we're good. Um, the, what we're talking about now is like, how do, how do we want to retire? <laughs> how do we want to be parents? Uh, how do we want to live our life? And even that, honestly, even that can be a little uh, exhausting. Yeah. Like, well, it's like future tripping, right? You put too much emphasis yeah. on that. It's like now our life is talking about the future. Yeah. It's kind of a similar problem, you know? It can be. It totally can. I mean, any anything can be. Any you know, any yeah. any issue that you guys are focused on. I mean, by you guys, I mean you know, person and their partner, is it can become its own uh, fixation, and and like you were mentioning earlier about you know the issue on the road as you're traveling. That to use that metaphor, you know, if you're focused on it, if you're on a motorcycle and focused on the telephone pole, you're gonna run into telephone pole, and it's gonna be very difficult not to if that's what you're focused on. Well, that's an interesting spin on what I was saying, right? That's interesting because I was talking about like, well, if there's an animal that runs into the middle of the road, you better be focused on that and how to miss it, right? But you're, what you're saying kind of expands that metaphor into, yeah, and don't stare at the telephone poles you could hit too. Let, let them pass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So quick question for you, unless uh, you had more to say about that, Ron or Katrine. Um, I was curious, uh, maybe an area in your relationship this is for both of you that is still just it's the most challenging thing it's like maybe it's gonna take a while for this one to mm. to for the workout good question stumped them both all right i've got what's up i mean I think I, i'm so used to not looking for problems now that i'm like <laughs> where what, what are the best the answer? We could just end the podcast right now. <laughs> <laughs> it was a trick I, question, though. No. Yeah, the the damn thing is, I feel pretty damn good. Like, uh, you know, mm -hmm. there's there's a lot of goodness in my relationship right now, and I and I don't, I think I'm not like Katrina. I'm not looking for problems, and I doesn't feel, you know, any any kind of big issue in my life right now is totally outside my relationship. Thankfully. I mean, there, there has to be a little bit of darkness, so I, I can contribute with that. All right. But <laughs> I think for me, what I have noticed, this is actually true. I'm not just making this up for content. It is actually true that my boyfriend and I, we are kind of living our life and our relationship outside of the norm in many ways. We are not having children and we are not getting married. So for us, a lot of this kind of adulting stuff the long-term stuff the things that really like bond you together and that prove that you're in a good relationship yeah. we don't have those and that has made 
I my brain has been playing that kind of comparison game a lot with like other couples on Instagram and all these people on in mm. on TikTok and like what other people's relationships look like. And I always come back to, but that is not what I want. Mm -hmm. But my brain is like, but you should want it. So therefore your relationship is wrong. And it's that's kind of where it's looking for problems now, where my boyfriend and I are very independent. We don't spend a lot of time together. We're kind of just living our parallel lives with each other as kind of the, the home base. We, we live together. We share our day-to-day -day lives together. But we are very independent. We love our alone time. We don't have, we don't do hobbies together. We don't even travel together. I like traveling. He doesn't. Like we are so not what a typical kind of successful couple looks like. We would never do a romantic photo shoot where we're kissing each other. Like that kind of stuff makes my brain go, maybe I'm settling for something that's not good. Maybe this is actually bad. And when mm -hmm. I, I'm going to wake up one day when I'm 45 and realize I wasted my life away, that's what my brain is telling me. And I'm mm -hmm. I, right now, at least I keep telling it, like, you know, I don't think that's true. Mm -hmm. I think I'm happy. Like, I think I, this is good, but it's, it's still wanting to compare all the time. Yeah. yeah. That's, yeah, that's cool. I, I think to, I, to get back to that question for me, I know that Morgan and I are, are both wrestling with shit that we, that we want to have solved in our life. And, and, um, and we talk about it to some extent. And I think if there's a, if there's like, well, this may not change, I think it's like in our own personalities and just realizing like, this is a, a cross I'm going to bear for a while. And it has nothing to do with the way we interact with one another, but just the way that we are dealing with life. And, and it, and the old me would have been like a dog on a bone trying to solve a problem for her. Like I've got to get this fixed for her. And my, that was a very codependent way of living of, of going, man, this is, we're not, you know, babe, we're going to get through anything. I'm going to be here with you and we're going to get this shit fixed. And I don't believe that anymore. You know, this might be stuff she deals with the rest of her life. It might be stuff I deal with the rest of my life and to love and accept myself as is. Um, and when I mean love, I just mean like not judging myself anymore around that. Well, it also sounds like you, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Ron, but you could add to that little list that, and, and this might take us apart at some point in time. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I don't, I don't feel that. I mean, how do you deal with that? Yeah. 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 I think that's, I think for me, it's like, I, I, ch I know today I choose her, um, today she chooses me and I don't have to go 20 years in the future. I don't have to go two weeks in the future. Um, and I, I also have to just allow like, you know, the universe is chaotic and, and one of us might get hit by a bus or a bear might charge through my door and eat me. And, and that's part of the, the role of the dice of life. And, and so, and yet I still have to be okay, no matter what the outcome is. And I, and I think to validate what you're talking about with what you want, Kat, Katrina, like that question is the best question I think anyone can ask themselves. Like, what do you really want? What do you want yeah. in your life and how do you want to live? And the more we can be really clear on that and take steps towards it on a daily, daily basis and then not have um, this 
could have been a hook in our partner where like, I need my partner to do X, Y, and Z also for me to be happy. Um, which I don't, you know, like my wife and I also don't do hobbies very much together either. You know, there's, I have my box of things that I love to do. She has her box of things. We like to travel together, but we also like to travel apart. She's gone right now. And, and that has been a breath of fresh air. We've also, we, even though we have kids, we're like, we get not having kids. <laughs> like <laughs> we could roll the tape backwards. We love them, but holy shit, it'd be a lot easier well, without it's, kids. It's going to be pretty interesting as you your friend. I was thinking about this yesterday for some reason. I was like, oh, I wonder what Ron's life's going to be like after his kids leave, you know, because you're going to have one go pretty soon. Yeah. And then, you know, I don't know, it's going to be a while before Emma, but like, yeah, you know, that's going to be, oh, I wonder what's going to happen. Yeah. I'm, um, I wouldn't say I'm like super excited, but I'm excited. <laughs> I, I, I kind of want to see it just go off the rails, like just me? your life falls apart. And you end up... <laughs> kind of get out no. of my system. <laughs> so Katrina, I got a question. Uh, it's kind of off this topic a little bit. It's funny I, at the beginning of this, before we like started recording, it was like, you know, we're not going to like pepper you with questions, you know, it's going to be, <laughs> and then we're like peppering you with questions. But relationships are like one of the most, you know, I kind of like start to say like, the, I had this partner one time, she said, she said, the world of sexuality is where life is won and lost. And I was mm -hmm. like, and she was, her, she was like very into sexuality. It was her career was, was learning about and speaking about and embodying, you know, fully expressed sexuality. And, um, and so questions or uh, statements like that were kind of germane to, you know, how she would speak about it. But it also, I really appreciated hearing that because I think that, that is true to some extent on my inner world, the world of sexuality is like huge. Um, with, with that, so I say that because relationships, you know, sexuality is a huge part of that. And so uh, Ron and I have just, we can talk about it all day long. Like we were talking about how, what we were curious about this conversation. It was just like, man, I'm sure we could speak with Katrine for hours and hours. It's just the topic of relationships is where a lot of our inner emotional world is, for lack of a better phrase, won and lost. There's just so much at stake there. Safety, our joy, the experiences, the emotions we can, that I've experienced in life that have been the highest and lowest have certainly been around relationship, you know? Um, with that said, uh, you know, we also like on this podcast, we like to talk about things that aren't really the conversation that maybe you have had, you know, a, a million times uh, and that is expressing your content, which also already exists. So I was really curious. They don't know a lot about you, but th these oceans of time, <laughs> that these um, this time that you don't spend engaged uh, with your partner and that you aren't engaging with your clients, um, maybe if there was an introverted part of yourself, how do you spend that time? Like, what does your inner world look like? And and yeah, I am extremely in introverted in general. When I run my business, I flip on my extroverted side. Um, yeah. I mean, saying that is kind of going back to this idea that introvert is shy and extrovert is yeah, no. social. Like, that's not really true. I, I am introverted across the board. Like, I, I recharge by myself and all that kind of stuff. So I can just spend hours and hours and hours either learning something new. <laughs> like, that is a constant in my life. I start, like new hobbies. I love challenging my brain. 
like, especially now as an adult, learning new things is so fascinating to me. It's amazing. Like just feeling my brain learn things. It's <laughs> that's become my new hobby. Um, and also I can just sit on the couch listening to podcasts, recapping sister wives and playing Candy Crush for hours and hours and hours. Like, I just love doing nothing. I have, I don't have a restless bone in my body. I can do nothing. I go to bed early. <laughs> I wake up early. I just, I love doing nothing and I love spending time on my interests and hobbies and usually they are all like connected to each other. I started playing paddle. I don't know if you guys know what paddle is. is um it? it's kind of like it's a racket sport um, it's, like it's not pat That's what I it's thought. not pickleball ball. it's not paddle tennis it's it's kind of like squash ish but not really it's really difficult to explain but it's it's very popular in spanish-speaking countries mm. and it came to sweden mm. during the pandemic so i started playing mm. and obviously i needed to start learning spanish in order to understand what all the Excellent. pro players were yeah, saying. So now all I do is like watch paddle and practice Spanish and like do that kind of stuff. So I, yeah, I just, none of my free time needs to be stimulated by my partner. Like I don't need him to be there and like do a bunch of stuff. Like he's, he's a gamer. He, he can spend hours in front of his computer. In the beginning, I was like, that's a problem. That's not good. I, I like, have heard about this. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that this is not good behavior. And then I was like, wait a minute. If he's not gaming, he's around me buzzing all of the time. I don't want that. Stay away and I'll do mine. Yeah. Interesting. So um, I'm curious that resting state actually being restful, you know, uh, doesn't. One thing, I, another thing I liked taking so much of this back to the the content that you have that, that I created for that intro is, is I loved what you said about you thought that being a relaxed person, uh, you were either born that way naturally, or, yeah. and if you weren't, that your parents did something wrong and that you can create that, um, at any time in your life, that sounds like a rewiring and a calming of your nervous system. Did you have to go through that? I, I didn't do it consciously, but that that's pretty much what I did would be my guess because before, when I was struggling with this stuff and my anxiety, like I, I don't remember what nervous system, whatever. I was constantly in a fight or flight state, oh, yeah. basically. I never really sympathetic nervous system. Yeah. I know yeah. So that that was constantly active, and all of my alone time was spent obsessing over what is my partner doing? What is my partner doing? Whoa. He's a gamer, he's awake all night. I'm not awake all night normally. I spent the first five years of my relationship being up until two to keep track of him and keep track of what he's doing. Yeah. So like the biggest change in my relationship after doing this work is I go to bed at like 9 PM and I fall asleep and I'm oh, not yeah. obsessing over what he is yes. doing. So I really, when I was able to calm my nervous system and I was able to relax and not obsess about what he's doing all the time, I got my life back. I got my time back. I got my rest back. I got everything back. This basically. is the same partner. Yeah. Wow. Was there when, any, was there oh, just a ahead, real quick yeah. comment, just real quick comment. I love when, uh, the changes that you're making get to be, and the evolution you experience gets to be experienced by the person who saw the other side of that, you know, mm. like they get the reward of that. 
you know, that's why like, I wish he was more aware of what's going on. Because <laughs> he's like, I never. I'm like, you see I'm what giving I you a gift here. <laughs> <laughs> like, you should enjoy this because I'm amazing now. <laughs> yeah, uh, here you go. Here's a clap for you. Uh, was it in that in the journey of recognizing what was making you anxious? Uh, was there any practical things in your life? Were you drinking too much caffeine? Were you doing anything like that? We were just, we weren't taking care of the basics of your nervous system that were yeah. contributing to that kind of that thing as well. Like, were you exercising regularly? Like you obviously you weren't getting enough sleep. So was there any, any like yeah. nuts and bolts stuff? I have not thought about that. I, I wasn't living an unhealthy life in, I mean, mm. definition of healthy, I don't know, but I, I was exercising. I was running a lot. I was drinking like two cups of coffee a day. That was it. I, it, it felt like it was my anxiety that was causing my health issues rather than the other way around. Yeah. And that's what I realized when I actually, the only thing that I got out of going to therapy for all, all of this was she explained to me, the therapist explained to me how meditation works and she made it more concrete and less like wooey and like oh meditate whatever and that transformed my sleep for me completely i started meditating like sleep meditating before mm -hmm. bed mm -hmm. and i started believing that well whether i believe in it or not the time spent yeah. doing it calms my nervous system and gives it a break at least a yeah. few like 10 minutes a day and that can be enough to get the ball rolling so that was yeah, my my anxiety. I think it was that um, that had the biggest effect on my health, rather than the other way around. Yeah, yeah. I I know working with men. I work with men sometimes in this attachment stuff with relationships, but often are just around the upper limit of their life. And and um, what I found with at least the population segment of guys I work with is is uh, it was actually pretty common for men to have a number of really practical health issues in their life, especially around drugs and alcohol, to be honest, um, and, or too much caffeine or just not eating correctly. These really practical things in their life that they, that just seemed normal. Maybe it's an American thing. Um, I don't know what it is, but where they would, they would have a, a blowout in the relationship or a problem at work or, or some kind of like big fucking like, disaster that we could begin to back out day by day, hour by hour and go, well, where does this start? And, and someone's like, well, I popped a couple of uh, prescribed stimulants that a buddy of mine gave me. Oh, interesting. Then what happened? And then they start to talk about the, how their brain went on a bender and it started to like, you know, go out and like, okay, so maybe we don't take Ritalin anymore. That's not prescribed to you. Mm -hmm. Oh, and then a few months go by. And then they, you know, begin to explain like, well, I went on a, another kind of bender and I know I, I you know, I, I have a s sober background. Um, so it's probably just the folks I work with in my, because of my own story. But, um, I find that a lot of us will do things unconsciously having no idea that there's a real connection between the food we eat, the, the lack mm -hmm. of sleep, the stuff we put in our body and then the inner world our interpretation of our, of our inner world going bad or going well and not making mm -hmm. that it takes like just someone going hey man have you noticed you're just you're doing drugs or drinking too much or whatever it might be and that's fucking your life up even 72 96 hours later <clears throat> have you noticed that daniel 
uh, just noticing the effects of like neglecting some of my needs or yeah. That's an interesting question because I think the the temptation is to be like, of course it all matters, you know. But humans are also stupidly resilient. And, yeah, <laughs> well said. You know, I'm and just to play a little bit of a contrarian, I guess. Um, I don't know, man, because I've I've spent so much time neglecting some of my needs that hmm. you get good at living life despite some of those needs being met, you know, or or despite some like habits that aren't very helpful. Um, a short answer is yeah, for sure. You're right. Like I've, I've noticed, I, I just kind of start to think of it as like, if I'm thirsty, like right before this podcast, you know, um, we had a little moment where I was like, man, I like muttered to myself, you know, I need some water. And then Ron's like, go get some water, you know, but it was going to cause us to be a little bit late. And I was like, I take a left turn when you usually go, you know, barreling straight. And like, yeah. So mm -hmm. like I put my shoes on and, and just like, I hate transitions like that. I don't like it. I want to like keep doing the thing I'm doing until it's burnt to the ground and there's nothing but ashes. You know, that's like mm -hmm. part of my inner world is that there's a there's an aspect of myself that is just like fiendishly wringing everything out of the cloth of life, you know, at all points in time. And that's a great superpower. And it also turns into its opposite when that's keeping you from taking care of yourself, you know, or being responsible to others, you know, when my life's connected to other people. So is that I mean, a, it's, yeah, it's really interesting. Like more thoughts are coming up when you're talking about this, that I, on a less dramatic level, I guess, when it, it's not really about health <laughs> issues, yeah. like drugs yeah. or alcohol or bad yeah. health. But yeah. when I'm hungry, I need to shift my protocol for how I manage my mind. Yeah. Like, so. I know that I am way more sensitive and way more likely to be a grumpy girlfriend and be an asshole when I'm hungry. And something that you guys probably don't deal with it in your own lives, but menstrual cycles. Yeah. Like I'm dealing with my clients who have these ups and downs and like hormonal impacts on their, like their mental state and their yeah. physical state every single month. And it's interesting how now, when I look back, I'm like, no, there wasn't any health issues affecting me. But what I forgot to say was I wanted there to be like, mm -hmm. I desperately was looking for the explanation as to why the hell am I acting this way? I went to doctors. I checked my thyroid. I've heard that a thyroid problem can make you crazy. I was like, <laughs> come on, be the thyroid. Be and thyroid. I like went on and off different kinds of birth control. I was like, oh, it must be my IUD. And then I took it out and I was like, oh, uh, it must be these hormones. I stopped with them. Nothing worked. Like literally nothing worked. There was nothing wrong with me. And I was so disappointed <laughs> because I wanted there to be something wrong with me that could explain yeah. why I'm acting this way. Now, of course, I'm glad that I'm not sick, <laughs> like that I don't have yeah. a chronic disease that affect. I have other problems, but not something that makes me grumpy. So that's a good thing. But with my clients, for sure, I had a client just a, like three, four weeks ago she came to me with this problem of how she had ruined date night. She had ruined date night. She had been so grumpy. She'd sn snapped. And it was just, oh, can we solve the problem of why I ruined date night? Can we change how I acted in the car? And I was like, okay, well, we started talking about it. And then we we're like, okay, what happened before? Oh, you, you were Christmas shopping two days before Christmas in a big mall. Okay. You were kind of anxious. Okay, what happened before? Oh, you were cleaning up after a party night and you realized you had had too much alcohol. Okay, <laughs> what happened the night before? Okay, you were drinking a lot of alcohol. 
okay. What happened before that? Oh, you were anxious about planning this event for your friends. And it was like, of course you had, yeah. you had, that was your last line of defense. Like you yeah. had nothing left mm -hmm. when you were going on date night and your partner was like <laughs> being kind of weird with you because you were probably acting really weird and that just spiraled so that you, we can some, sometimes we can't really see the forest for all the trees. It's yeah. like, what's actually the problem here? here? Is it what you did in the car? Or is it the fact that you had anxiety piling on top of each other for 24 hours before this event? And that like origin story of, you know, how like the, in uh, in a lot of movies these days in the comic book stuff, there's like the origin story. Ah, like let's get into the origin story and, and like why things are the way they are, what created something um, behind the scenes. You know, I remember, remember when movies started doing the director's commentary like on the DVD mm -hmm. director commentary, remember that? People fucking loved it because they got to see a little bit behind. Now everything is exploded out and we get to see what's behind everything as much or as little as we want. But the idea of tracking things back to these, you know, subtle but compound, subtle or not subtle, but definitely compounding, equaling this thing is just like how empowering. Now we can start to look at the future and set ourselves up for success, even if it's in 5% little chunks, you know? Yeah, now you can say, Katrin, like, you know, there's nothing wrong with you. Your parents just didn't raise you right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I wish I could just blame them for everything. <laughs> that would have been great. That was that was such a shitty day when I realized I could stop. I had to stop blaming my parents. It's like, God damn yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out they're doing the best they could with what they had. Yeah, ain't that the truth? Yeah. You know, you really, really think about putting yourself in someone else's shoes. And you just there's just this like, there's this, what's the word I'm looking for? This sort of like surrender of like, I don't know if I'd do any better, you know? Oh, like I just no, I definitely don't. wouldn't. <laughs> I probably wouldn't, which is why I'm not having kids. I'm like, no, 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 thank you. I was thinking about that with this person that I'm kind of upset with, you know? And I'm just like, they just like, get, get, get. it's really easy to play a victim in this because I'm like kind of, and it, it clearly didn't do anything wrong. And it's clearly them. And every once in a while, you get a situation where, like, wow, I really didn't do anything wrong. This is amazing. Um, and and then, but there's just, I just put myself in their position. I'm just like, I just, I can't be mad at them. You know, I really can't. You know, I just, I don't know if I would do anything. And then compassion comes out. You know, it's it's really nice. Mm, don't know what that's like. I've, <laughs> I know, man. I've been your friend for a while. I'm waiting. It's like fucking, hey, man, show me a little love, my brother. Gotcha. Thank you I'm for gonna... joining us. Do you have any other questions? Daniel? Yeah, yeah, I do. Hell yeah, oh. man. Uh, you have a really unique tattoo on your shoulder of a person in a, in a dramatic top hat. Who is that? Is that a musician? Yes. Any other guesses? <laughs> well, top hat one person, uh -uh. I think one person has ever guessed, guessed it right. Marilyn I Manson. saw it. I saw it as like, there's some musician floating around Flash. in my head that I feel like I've seen do that you know and but I, I don't know who it is i'm not i'm not cool it's enough slash. in the music world not slash but same era uh, is it that guitarist is a guitarist he's not the lead person it's a it guitarist from motley crew motley crew do we guy? have a name no, i don't i don't know <laughs> i don't know the the guys from that, that band mick mars is so it is it is he from motley crew motley crew yeah. oh damn ron bad it's a beautiful tattoo it's bold i love it yeah can you i just wanted to ask you just real quick a little bit about your tats you probably get asked mm -hmm. all the time but yeah you've you've gone really strong with your tats and i think that's a that's a really neat bold choice i'm just curious like what the process has been a little bit if you don't mind sharing 
Well, I got all of it done before almost. Okay, I got 85% done before I turned 25. So my brain wasn't fully developed. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Luckily, I had good taste and I went to good artists. So they're all good. But yeah, I was just really into, I mean, body modifications, that like alternative kind of stuff when I was growing, not really when I was growing up, from like 16 to 25-ish. And luckily, like today, if they all disappeared, don't know if I would redo them. I'm kind of like ambivalent about it. But I today, I also love the, the contrast between all of my tattoos and my more like business casual kind of vibe to everything that I do. So I don't regret them. I don't hate them. But it was like, it, yeah, I got obsessed and I just did it for a couple of years and I covered a lot and I probably will get more in the future. Like you can't stop at half. Like you yeah, kind of just yeah. have to keep going. What about that 15%? But, have you gotten one recently that was like a, of a different kind of vintage than the ones that you did originally? I did, my boyfriend and I... I always say that I'm never getting matching tattoos and I stand by that and we yeah, still haven't, but no, but what's interesting <laughs> is that we, our dog passed away four oh. years ago. So we both got our dog, like a portrait of our dog, but we got different portraits. That was kind of important for me too. So they wouldn't be copies of each other. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we, that I got pretty recently. And then I've gotten like a moth, like my mom was getting her first tattoo, so I kind of got something just for fun uh, at the same time. So now it's a little bit more like, meh, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Not my like financial priority right now. My boyfriend is actually getting tattooed right now, so mm-hmm. he's off doing oh, that kind wow. of stuff. But yeah, it's I'm not obsessed with it anymore. I got to a point where I was more or less satisfied. I felt comfortable. I liked the way it looked. So I was like, okay, yeah. feel pro- pretty done. I love when people make decisions like that and uh, just strong and bold. Ron got a tattoo a couple of years ago that was probably one of the most dramatic tattoos I've ever seen. That shocked me. I've never told you that, Ron. Why did it shock you? Because I don't have any <clears throat> tattoos? I've never. No, no. You've gotten tattoos while we've been knowing each other. But it, the location and the size was a location I've never seen got a tattoo gotten. It's like a very unique choice. You've never seen anyone get a tattoo on their belly before? Ron got a huge bull with a bleeding nose that came from a picture he took, which came from an interaction he had with a bull, like a real live in the middle of danger bull. And then he got this thing tattooed like this big, right on his like solar plexus. And there's no other mm-hmm. tattoos around for a million, uh, yeah, a million miles. <laughs> it's so on my cool. body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is like kind of a lone <laughs> island of tattoos. It totally is, man. I was like, you showed it to me and I was just like, dude, that is strong. And over the years, I'm like, and I, I'm, I'm not judging about tattoos. I have a tattoo. I want to get more for sure. But I was just like, that was such a bold choice. And I never asked mm-hmm. you like why you chose to do it there and so big. And oh, it's great. I don't know. It just seemed all the elements worked out. Like the like the art. I, I was looking for an artist that I trust. I like their style. I finally found him. And actually, it was I, I met him at the archery range. And we were both archers and that was kind of, I don't know, seemed reasonable. And then I liked the way he, he, uh, did animals. Like I really liked his other examples of animals. So I trusted him and I trusted him. Like I just in talking, I trusted him. And then it was just time to do it. I've been thinking about that tattoo for a long time. And, um, 
it was just time to go. But so I, someone asked me yesterday if there was an unbucket list I could do. Like if you could go back and not do something, I'd be like, maybe that one. Only not because I don't like it. Not because I don't like it. I actually really like the tattoo, but fuck it hurt. God damn it hurt. I can't believe how much over, it hurt. Dude. That, pain's that, over. Yeah, during I, the time, I tell I myself that all the time. Screaming yeah. and what, cursing. Yeah, I'm like, I'm glad I only have one chest. Don't have to do that again. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Because that's my next over. thing is like, I'd love to go full chest. I've, I found the artist. I know some elements that I want. I want them to do something, but I'm like, God damn, it's going to be a lot of hours. Yeah, you're a confused motherfucker because you're like, yeah, I think that's the one thing I regret. And also, <laughs> I'm super excited. I love that, man. We're so complicated. It's I know, great. I know. I can hold those yeah. two. Well, things. shoot, Katrina. I, Ron uh, and I really appreciate that. I don't, I don't know what. Uh, curious, your closing thoughts. <laughs> Never asked you guys that. Closing <laughs> thoughts. Closing thoughts. Like, I. You, <laughs> I mean, this. Is I wish the... I hadn't have come. Maybe that. <laughs> I opened this up with, "What do you think, Ron?" And close it with, "Closing thoughts." I swear, we've done a hundred podcasts. We know how to do no. this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I just, I think this is. Other than coaching my clients, this is the best part of what I do. I love talking mm. about relationships. I love talking to other people about yeah. <laughs> thoughts about relationships. I don't really like analyzing my relationship with my partner. I don't really, I'm not passionate about like playing card games that help us connect better or whatever. <laughs> like, I don't care about that kind of stuff. I just love talking about relationship problems and things and all of that. So this is just yeah. like, other than working with my clients, this is my favorite thing to do. And I just love hearing other people's ideas as well. And very often we are all kind of thinking similar things, but we just word them differently, which adds so much to, to my brain at least. Yeah, well said. Uh, well said. The wording differently, you know, phrasing things differently. You know, you say things the way you do. You're saying a similar thing or maybe the exact same thing. But now you just connected with 5,000 more people in the world that need to hear mm -hmm. it that way, you know? And like, that's one of the things that's so great about what's happening right now in the world with podcasts. Yeah, for sure. Congrats on 100 episodes. I'm going to go listen to that one with your, with your boyfriend. <laughs> that sounds fun. Yeah. Yeah, we're coming up on 102, and that was our original agreement. Uh, we started with 12. Hey, let's do 12. And then at 12, we upped it to 100. So I've got like five more with Ron and finally get a kid out of this thing. <laughs> really looking forward to it. <laughs> Just kidding, Ron. Don't cry. All right. Don't hurt my feelings. Too we good? Much. We done? Is that it? <laughs> I think that's it. Thank you so much for joining us. Really yeah. appreciate it. Good to see you. Thank you for having me. It was yeah. awesome. Yeah. All right. Take care. Take Have a great day. <laughs> the draw back to the beginning oh shit here we go just it's just field dressing everybody field <laughs> dressing if you everybody take, if you edit out that little draw mistake you you're you're on my you're on my shit list i'm walking down the street with uh my neighbor the other, the other night and she and i've been neighbors for god 10 years and she has this um she has a ceremony where she goes outside and meets with another neighbor of ours and they have cigarettes and they and they end their day they drink a little wine they smoke a cigarette I think it's like the only cigarette they have for the day, both of them. And, um, and they've been doing it for years. And I, and I say, good, I say hello to them almost every time I walk my dog. And the other night she goes, Hey, can I walk with you? Um, so-and-so is not here to, to smoke with me. Like, Come on. So we walk around, we talk about life and our kids and things like that. 
and there's this couple walking towards us with their dog and I don't know why, but they're like, Hey, I'm like, Hey, good morning. And my neighbor's like, <laughs> you just said good morning. <laughs> and I'm like, I sure did. <laughs> See, but dude, that's awesome. So, and I said thought. it with such enthusiasm and like the biggest <laughs> smile on my face. I meant Top it. I meant it. <laughs> your, your favorite book, one of your favorite books, Iron John, right? Yeah. Robert Bly. He talks about, uh, you know how they talk about Freudian slips? Yeah. He, so his take on Freudian slips is that it's this part of our brain that he actually relates to the Greek god of uh, Mercury, the god Mercury, that, that word mercurial. He was the god of war. No, that's Mars. Mars is the god of war. What yeah, is Mercury? Know. What was Mercury? I don't know who was the, who, uh, uh, Mercury. Mercurial. I think he might be like, I don't know. You look, yeah. yeah. But, but he says that uh, he poses, he offers, he being, um, uh, Robert Blythe in the book Iron John, that there's this part of our brain that is very mercurial and it, it's before thought comes on and attaches and tries to knowingly guide. And that he said that this is Freudian slips. This is a smarter, quicker, or not smarter, but more creative, quicker, more honest part of ourselves. And I think that that's what was going on with you right there. Or it's interesting to think about it that way. Because good we, morning is, is like a state of mind. There's good morning mind. And you can apply that and experience that at any time of day. And your body was just like, it was in a good morning place. I think it's It great. was in a good morning place. It was in a good morning place. I just looked up the word mercurial. Of a, of a person, this is an adjective, of a person subject to sudden or unpredictable changes of mood or mind. Interesting that we come around this because before yeah, we start is. recording today, we were talking about impulsive versus compulsive. Impulsive. Do you remember the difference? Impulsive, impulsive. <laughs> I do remember the difference, but I'm trying to say it like you, like the definition that you uh, read because I didn't really like the definition you read. Yeah, I, I read liked like my three, and they were all better. confusing. I know. I, I, I liked yours too. It was very clear in your mind. <laughs> now we're just confused. Yeah, impulsive, <laughs> impulsive, being of, of mercurial, like uh, changing your mind at a moment's notice and it, and it feeling like as if uh, you had no control over it. But compulsion is you're as if driven by a motor to do something over and over again. Don't look it up again. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear the fucking Webster's definition of it or anything like that. I want well, we got listeners definition. though, man. So let's just, just for funsies, just for funsies. Impulsive is acting on instinct. That's the part you didn't like. Oh, that's because instinct, man. Cause because then that what that does is if you're impulsive and you're making bad decisions, it means your instinct's fucked up. And I think of instinct as being a, a true part of oneself. Like a bird, it's not fucked up for a bird to go south in the winter. That's instinct. Acting on impulse. That impulse. bird was an impulse. <laughs> I don't think it, I... <laughs> Look at that damn bird going south again in the winter being, to protect itself. <laughs> is acting upon irresistible urge. That's what the old Goog says. Impulsive is instinct, and and compulsive is, it, compulsive yeah. is acting on an irresistible urge. I don't like right? that. I don't like. I don't like any of them because there's three more definitions, and they just get more and more confusing. So stick with what you had to say. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so mercurial though. I think I think that that the idea that there is a part of our brain that's always like ready to be to to do the thing that's so. Um, authentic to us you know 
and that we get in the way of that to some extent for better and probably for worse, you know, like you don't always want to act on that impulse, right? That first thing that, that wants to go. But they also say like in acting, for example, in art, that that's something you want to be in touch with and listen to and be able to respond to, you know, because I, me and, me and a, a, a partner of mine, she, she goes, we would fuck up the same way you did. We would fuck up what time of day it was. And then all of a sudden we realized, oh, we can say time can be bendy. And now we'll say like, good morning, evening, you know, <laughs> could, could, <laughs> could, you know, we'll just like stack times a day because fucking who cares? You know, it's more interesting. It's playful. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to own that because I often don't remember what day of the week it is. Fuck yeah. And so I'm just going to, well, it's Tuesday for me. Thank it's you. Tuesday in my mind. Yes. Yeah. Isn't that so much more interesting and playful? Yeah, it is. Dude, I had a hard time getting out, get like... We never have a hard time closing up a, a conversation. It always just feels like it's either past time, but I felt like there was more to talk about with Katrine. I know. And, I, and I, I wanted to get, get into some more stuff too. Yeah, it was a bummer. I was like, I don't want to end this, but I guess we have to like put a slug in this thing. Uh, it's, did it feel a little bit like uh, when you were a kid and uh, you're playing with your friends out in the out in the neighborhood and then you see the lights come on, the neighborhood lights? Like, <laughs> oh, it's time to go home. That's how it We're felt in the with bust, of something. bust the drip. I didn't, I was like, he, he emailed me, by the way, this is our last episode. Alexis, yeah. Alexi, yeah. He goes, he emailed me. He goes, that was awesome. And he goes a little short. And I was like, oh, what a nice guy. I know. I, I think there's a, I think there's, we're coming up on a threshold where we're going to need to just go longer than an hour and 15 hours. I wanted to talk more with her, you know, but she yeah. kind of seemed like, you know, I don't know. She, not that she was done or wasn't. Well, also like, could be her boring assholes and just didn't, didn't, didn't bring enough to it. Also, I think you were leaving me out to dry a little bit. Yeah. Was I? How so? <laughs> you know what I wanted to get into is I wanted to ask about, is it, is and I'm not, I'm only curious about this from a um, societal perspective. Yeah. But it seemed like a few, like when we started this podcast, it seemed like a lot of people were talking about monogamy and non-monogamy. Yeah. Like out there in the world. And now it, it, I'm not hearing conversations about it. I'm not like, it did, did everybody get tired of it? Is it still a thing? Are people <laughs> trying to be non-monogamous? <laughs> Are they That's a good question. I mean, I guess if I were to take a stab at the answer is that it might just be a little bit of your, you're not putting a lot of attention on it for whatever reasons. Um, but also maybe Ron, maybe, maybe it had a little flare up that where it had to be hotly discussed and now it's just normalized just a little bit more and the conversation isn't really up. It feels like a good thing though. Cause, cause it doesn't feel like there's a lot of, negative heat around it but would you have liked to have asked her about that yeah well i think uh uh I'm, i don't know how old she is i'm gonna guess she's younger and and i was curious about in amongst her clients <laughs> you're gonna guess younger wow you really put it out on the table there. i guess she's 32. yeah probably mid yeah early 30s yeah um so generationally that's what that was what i was kind of curious about it's like generationally are these conversations because Grumpy Girlfriend, by the way, Grumpy Girlfriend is a great brand. I think that's a very cool way to describe what, who she works with. I was surprised she chooses the name girlfriend, the, the term girlfriend and boyfriend so much instead of partner. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Anyways. It works as a brand. Saying? I like it. Uh, and wondering how, what percentage of her, her, the folks she works with deal with non-monogamy or try to mm. work through it. Because it sounded like, and this is just a 
just me listening and picking up the pieces that that um there's still a lot of like monogamy is like the norm and and probably i mean i guess that it probably is just certainly a human you know human beings yeah. but you know what's funny i mean the fact of the matter just getting just talking about it for the last 30 seconds i'm like already bored with it about monogamy yeah <laughs> oh, i think it's fascinating conversation maybe that's it you're just not as interested anymore but the fact that it's getting normal because everything you and i were talking about that we were speaking with katrine in my mind gets filtered through non-monogamy you know because that's the most unsafe situation for me personally but also the most free you know because my whole jam with relationships i want to feel safe and free at the same yeah. time and I almost always only get one of them to some extent. It's, the, it's heavily imbalanced. I'll feel very safe and totally trapped, or I'll feel totally free and really unsafe. And so I'm never happy in relationships. You know, I've, I've, it's only mm-hmm. been recently where I feel like I can finally do this, you know? And, but that would necessitate for me at this stage in life probably a non monogamous situation, you know? Because otherwise think, I don't feel free. Do you think, um, if you could be in your mind non-monogamous but then like not have to act on it to feel whatever like do you feel like that's a great point yeah yeah that's part of i think that's where morgan i've kind of landed is like we we is like we we choose each other i think the 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 fear of like like i'm stuck in this relationship yeah doesn't exist the way it used to of like this person feels like they um have a kind of ownership over me or those kinds of things and like we're we're choosing each other moment by moment um and and i feel in my mind the freedom to be non-monogamous but i just don't choose it like i don't like i'm like i feel okay imagine being in a room where you know the door is locked right yeah 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 that's that's gonna change how you feel over time but knowing that door is unlocked, knowing that door is cracked, knowing that door is wide open, you know, that doesn't mean you ever have to leave the room. Yeah. You know, but that's scary. Most people in traditional relationships would freak out about that. But that freak out is indicative potentially of, uh, of an attachment style that is hindering you and or your partner or neither of you. You know, mm-hmm. the relationships come in every single shape and size and experience. But for me personally, and it sounds like for you, I know I don't want to like share your situation with Morgan, but the extent to which you have already shared it, it's like that unlocking of the door uh, just took a little pressure off. Yeah, I think that's right. You know, did you get what you're looking for with this? Uh, this oh, big time, big yeah. time. She she is not what I expected. What did you <clears> expect? Well, not to be mean or anything. You know, I expected to some extent, someone who is like figuring out how to be in relationships like we all are and just ahead of a lot of people and therefore able to, to coach some people. Yeah. Validly. Yeah. But she is way more mature and, and all down the path of having a healthy relationship. It seems to me than I thought she like she needs to be leading people and she is and now i'm not surprised why she has so many followers you know she fucking she has changed she's changed in the context of one relationship which is something i really respect i generally change and then fuck that relationship up so much (laughs) that i do grow (laughs) 
with just scorched earth results. Yeah. I'm more mature yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> and then you, up, don't, yeah. you don't know how many times I'm joking with myself and exaggerating a little bit, yeah. but partners have, have communicated later how, how just thrilled they are that the next person gets to reap all the rewards that they got <laughs> that I learned. Look at you being a service out there to mankind. <laughs> They're just like, I'm so glad you've grown up, Daniel. I know that the next person is happy at my expense. <laughs> no, that has not happened. The last it's happened less as time has gone on. But and last my last like 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 situation that has been the most healthy I've ever been in has, has not been that way at all. Like there's no she gets to reap, reap all the wars, but at yeah. the same time, to answer your question, fucking Katrina knows what she's doing. I was impressed. I was impressed. I think it's such a breath of fresh air to talk to someone who, um, even though she loves to talk about relationships with other people, and it's, this is her jam, it's her wheelhouse, it's obvious she's very good at it. Um, her content is on point. And, but for her to go, I don't need to talk about relationships with my partner because I'm secure in my relationships. That's Huge. not the f phrase she used, but Huge. it was very big. And I think yeah. in, I think more people can probably take a, a, oh yeah, a page from that, right? Like to oh, go, yeah. oh wait, oh, yeah. I don't. This doesn't need to come up all the time. One of the most significant things, improvements in my life, was making the choice to experiment, become aware of, and then experiment, and then just embody that. Like I don't fucking talk about relationship. I don't talk about my personal work with a person I'm engaged with romantically. It's a it's a buzzkill. It's a downer. Yeah. yeah. It, it it and even let's not let's not judge it as good or bad. It's takes energy, you know, it takes bandwidth. And that bandwidth is now taking up what the reasons that brought us together. Or if there's not as many reasons, this is another thing. Talking about your relationship a lot with the person can be a symptom of not having a lot of interest. <laughs> you don't really want to be, you know, that's one area you got interest. So you've been fucking. That's the truth. That's the truth. And the tough thing is, is if you've started a relationship and I can say this really proudly with my, with my wife is that we started a relationship kind of based on our life hitting the fan beforehand. And so the, some of the, some the of shit the, hitting the fan. You're, yeah. I don't like, oh. yeah. 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 So like, like the, the worst, fan. yeah. The shit hitting the fan. Like, the worst thing happened to me that I, th I thought could happen. The worst thing happened or that she thought could happen. And we, and that was part of our bonding. Like, Oh yeah, I just went yes. through this really difficult thing. Uh, independent of each other. Independently of each other. Yeah. Oh, and, and that created kind of a strange foundation of like, well, if we're not coming out of the shit hitting a fan, what do we got in common? <laughs> if we're not dealing with some major fucking yeah. problems, what yeah. great observation. Yeah. yeah. It's, and that, it's not fun to admit that, but it's the truth of how we started our relationship. Well, I love that, man, because that, that relates to what she was saying about, about how the resting state of things being okay yeah. feels uncomfortable, yeah. you know? Yeah. But a lot of that discomfort is just because you haven't experienced, not you, but like we haven't yeah. experienced it before. Like that's what I tell, when I share it sometimes, I've been, always, I've been curious what you think about when I say this. I'll say that line of like, I feel like I'm in my future right now. Yeah, you know, but that the first time I felt the, that feeling, it was very uncomfortable, and I was like, "Ooh," because mm -hmm. there's so much <laughs> unknown. Yeah. But now there's a vibe, and I'm, I'll specifically feel I feel like I'm in my future. But it's that I feel more comfortable in it now, and I feel like excited about it. You know. Yeah. So, 
And then what if you took what everything she was saying and what we were discussing, you apply it just to yourself and how you relate to yourself. Well, it's like, well, do I need to discuss fucking shitty stuff with myself all the time? (laughs) Well, I think that's a solid deal is do I, do I need to be thinking about this stuff all the time? Do I need to be, do I need to ruminate? She had, she had a great cover, a great episode of one of her podcasts on intrusive thoughts. Uh, In other words, the thoughts that come into our life that we don't want, but create, um, a compulsion. I was just gonna say you're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, you beat me to it. I was gonna take the piss out of you. Yeah, uh, and I don't want to <laughs> steal the gist of her podcast, but I'm going to. And and that is, oftentimes we get on these hamster wheels of thought patterns that just don't need to happen because part of it is the is the excitement of the drama of the feeling of like oh it's making me angry or it's making me sad or and that in of itself is this our nervous system trying to get a feeling and Dude. and uh i thought it was so great for her to say something along the lines of like i don't need to do anything like when i'm in my downtime i like to play hours of candy crush yeah, that was cool and listen to a podcast and lay on the couch and recharge and and a lot of us i'll say for me too it's like i i feel like i've got to be bettering myself all the time i feel like i'm wasting my time if i'm not doing working on the project or or something like that sometimes it's like the brain needs to just fucking reset and hang out and chill and just be have a downtime that's why that image of having images that are connected to emotional movement i think is so important closing tabs you know mm-hmm. just that fucking feeling when you just rip off that mercury part of myself there's this impulse all the time to just close every fucking tab I have open all the time to delete every photo that I have on my phone to take all my possessions again. Like there's this part of me that wants to shed, you know, yeah. and and following that sometimes, you know, not obviously doing that too much can like really mess your life up. But and then the other thing is the closing tabs and then the do you remember like those TVs that have the knob where you would click it? to turn the channel yeah and it was like a hard click it was like yeah yeah it wasn't a soft gooey button on a remote you know (laughs) it's like a hard. i used to lay on my floor as a three or four year old in my living room (laughs) and our tv was set on the on like the edge of the fireplace whatever that you know raised area sure you know and i would lay on my back with my hands behind my head and i'd put my foot on the tv And I would use my toes as a four or five year old to like turn the knob. I can remember the feeling Dude. of like chunk. It is, yes. You we had five channels feeling. for three channels or something. It was like, was Chips on the front Fonzarelli or uh, what was his name? Poncharelli. Poncharelli. What is that guy's name? The Fonz? No, no, no. Chips. You know, the, the motorcycle. I didn't get it chips. Oh, I was that was not my channel. No, I was Duke's hazard, man. I was into uh, that too. Um, so you know that feeling of that chunk yeah i use that in my head to turn the channel you know and i'll I'll say it out loud you let yourself spin out i'll let myself i kind of ninja this time at this stage i'll let my spin up then i'm like okay now i'm spinning out and i'll just go chunk switch the channel and something about that imagery and that feeling that remembering that i it changes my thoughts i can i can now move on I like that. There's somebody, there's a book someone wrote about saying the word out loud change. I don't need to look it up. 
That's you know, uh, uh, I, Jim Carrey in The Grinch, I think I mentioned this on, on a you recent did. episode, but yeah. it's worth mentioning again. You know, he was that makeup and that costume was so claustrophobic to him. It was really scaring him. He couldn't do anything. It just got him. It got yeah. him. And they fucking brought in SEAL team people to help him learn how to exist. I think it, calm. I think it was the CIA. I watched this episode. Yeah, I watched yeah, this. Whatever. A bunch of special yeah. people. <laughs> Get it right. <laughs> And then they told him to just, there's like four or five little, little moves, you know, little things. And one of them was just to hit himself on the leg. My favorite part of that was that uh, they were like, or smoke a lot of cigarettes. <laughs> Did they say that? <laughs> and he was like, so I was smoking like crazy. <laughs> smoking and hitting himself. Dude, figure out a way to uh, bump yourself out of these grooves. You know? uh, anyways, it sounds like she is very fucking adept at that. I just appreciated her kind of like, and I, not to make it about culture, or, but I feel like she, she kind of like almost mentioned this, but fucking just that, like, do the thing, yeah. do the thing, you know, she's from Germany. So it's hard not to think about that. It's just like that whole culture seems to be, uh, if you were to, you know, that logic fallacy of, uh, of grouping everyone into, you know, re reduce them all down to this, you know, but I just love that, like, just do the thing do the thing, do the thing, don't do the thing. And that ability, that inner strength to, to guide yourself like that, it sounds like she has that. And I don't know, maybe it's over, it's over running other aspects of her life. I don't want to say it's inherently a good thing. I don't know her well enough to know whether or not that is expressing itself in some negative way. Potentially you can take that too far, but it was very refreshing and cool to be around. And I can see why she's a good coach. Yeah, I agree. Thanks for bringing her on. My pleasure, man. And thank that you, it? Ronald, you for finding her and sending her to Daniel. Did you? So, yeah, fuck yeah, I did. I've been following. Oh, I didn't time. know that. I do so much work for this podcast that you don't do <laughs> that it's hard to. Speaking like, of work for a podcast, that you do anything. Speaking of work, <laughs> we'd love your support, everybody. There's a couple ways you can support us. Number one is you can go to either Spotify or Apple and leave us a nice review. The, the yeah. algorithms love that. The AI that's going to take over at some point loves Dude, it. I love that, talk man. Nice. I love reading our reviews. It's so I do fun. Too. Yeah. Please, please, please leave them, even if they're terrible. <laughs> <laughs> or not. Or not. <laughs> or not. Don't, don't leave it terrible. Actually. Save your terrible comments for Ron's posts. That would help out a lot. Tricks on you. I don't post anymore. <laughs> <laughs> My life feels so much better. Okay. Second thing is also Patreon. Yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah. There's a link to our Patreon on the description of the podcast. E each episode's got a link to it. Yeah, that would be that. awesome. That would mean uh, so much to us. Yeah. It does not give you special access to anything. You're not. Uh, there's not like any extra world that you get. You get to be a part of. It just no. helps us out. Yeah, you're just paying. You're just paying us to keep doing this. Any amount is helpful, and it means so much. It, it just—I feel like that's something that pays more than once too, because you see someone make the effort, even if it's like a buck, and you're just like, "Damn," you know, because it's fucking pain in the ass yeah. to like go figure out how to do. You got to enter your card information. Is you're asking something of people. You know? And huge thanks to those who've already done that. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's it it, it really really helps. Think of it as like the tip jar. Daniel and I are up on stage. We're playing okay. dueling pianos. We yeah. got the we've got the bowl up on up on top of the piano of yeah. uh, single bones. Ron, Ron's winning, as as I should, as always. But Daniel's in the fight. 
I mean, he's trying. <laughs> Ron's crushing it. Daniel's clinking, clinking along. But... He's barely holding on by the skin of his teeth. Pay Ron for more Ron and then just pay Daniel for encouragement. You know, you just go. like, hey, good job facing yourself, buddy. Also, don't do this again. <laughs> <laughs> good to see you, man. Right.